Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode of Luke's English Podcast is sponsored by italki. To have your own rambling conversations while building your fluency, accuracy and confidence in English, you could try using italki in order to find a one-to-one teacher or a community tutor from the UK or indeed anywhere else. They have loads of qualified teachers and speakers of English who are ready and waiting to offer you the English lessons that you need or just some rambling conversations, perhaps with language feedback and correction. It's up to you, really. That's the cool thing about it. Italki is simply a way for you to get regular speaking practice with real people, and it's based around your preferences and your schedule. To get started, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash talk or click an italki logo on my website. And when you buy some lessons or talking time, italki will send you a voucher for a free lesson. teacherluke.co.uk slash talk or just click an italki logo on my website. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, folks. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, In this one, you're going to listen to a conversation with my mum, which should be nice. Um, I sometimes get messages from uh, listeners to the podcast uh, who request more conversations with my mum. Because it seems that uh, many of you out there want to hear more of her nice voice because she speaks in a clear accent. And she seems like a lovely, intelligent and interesting person. Uh, That seems to be the general tone of the messages that I get from listeners sometimes. So um, I thought, all right then. Okay, that would be a pleasure to have my mum back on the podcast in more episodes. You know that I often talk to my dad, his episodes prove to be uh, popular ones. I haven't spoken to dad for a while. Normally when I talk to him, uh, we talk about politics, particularly Brexit. He's kind of the the one who uh, I talk to for general updates about Brexit. But uh, I haven't spoken to him for a while, partly because it's just too depressing to talk about it at the moment. Um, The last time I spoke to him, we talked about cricket, which somehow was even more complicated than the uh, confusing politics of uh, of Brexit. But anyway, this one is my mum, okay? Now, uh, what I chose to do this time was I came up with a list of questions that I could use as the basis for a kind of rambling chat uh, with mum. And uh, some of those questions actually come from listeners to the podcast. Um, I asked my listeners... Uh, on the website to send in their questions. So I've got a few questions. So a few questions from listeners and a few of my own questions. There's no particular focus, really. It's not like a, a Rick Thompson report. So we're not going to try and uh, talk about Brexit or the rules of cricket, but instead just a chance to have a bit of a, a, a ramble, just to witter on for a while. Um, in fact, I asked my mum, I said, mum, would you 
be on my podcast. Would you like to come on the podcast and so we can talk about stuff? And she said, well, yes, of course, uh, I'll do that. I don't know why anyone would like to listen to me wittering on. Um, and, uh, I mean, it's a nice response. Modest, typically modest, I suppose. But anyway, she agreed. And uh, now, if you don't know what the word wittering means, uh, wittering on, then don't worry, just keep listening because everything will be explained, okay? So, listen to the conversation. Let's see what kind of language comes up um, as we talk about various things. In fact, here are some of the things that uh, we talked about in this conversation. So, there's a bit of British history from the Regency period. Uh, The Regency period, that's basically like the Jane Austen period of British history, um, including descriptions of things like ballroom dances and um, men in tight trousers. Uh, Also, some descriptions of how we talk about rain in British English, the kinds of expressions that we use to talk about rain. And we have a few, for obvious reasons. Um, There are a few expressions relating to ways of talking about uh, talking itself. So, ways of talking. For example, words like rambling and wittering and also bickering. Those words will be explained in due course. Also, you'll hear what my mum thinks of my podcast. You'll hear some of my mum's podcast recommendations, uh, her favourite podcasts that she listens to and how she likes to listen to them, and also various other things that you can discover as you listen to the conversation in full. At the end of this, I will be going through some of the vocabulary that you're going to hear, which should help you to learn some really nice, natural English phrases, the kind of English that my mum speaks, okay? So, without any further ado, here is part one of my rambling chat with my mum. Hello, mum. Hello, Luke. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Very well, too. Thanks. Good. Um, so, good. That's question number one done. Mm-hmm. Uh, question number two is, what have you been up to today? Um, nothing very exciting. This morning I typed up the minutes of a meeting that we had on Monday night with um, Unlocking Warwick. That's the volunteer group I belong to. You typed up the minutes? The minutes. And the minutes is what we call the record of a meeting. So it's not quite verbatim. You don't write out exactly what people say, but you you write a summary of what each person says and the, whatever discussions you have. And then they have to be um, typed up and sent to all the members so that they agree that it's a correct record of the meeting that we had. Okay. It's a very tedious job. I don't enjoy it very much. Really? But uh, someone has to do it. How come you're the one doing that? Um... Good question. Don't really know. <laughs> Is that because you volunteered to do it or did Probably. someone did someone delegate that responsibility? Uh, a bit of both, I imagine. Okay. So uh, this was a meeting with Unlocking Warwick. Yes. It's a volunteer group I belong to in Warwick, obviously. Um, oh, sorry. Did I just bang the microphone? You touched then? the microphone. There was, a, there was a slight noise that some of my listeners might have noticed. Right. But, you know, sorry about that. That's all right. I mean, uh, uh, flagging it up like that and apologising for it may have just uh, made it worse than it would have been. Because, you know, there's usually a little bit of noise in the background of some kind. Yeah. But, you know, don't worry, my listeners don't mind that much. This, is the, this isn't the BBC after all. No. Okay. But, so if you do, for example, yeah. you know, these sorts yeah. of noises, if those sorts of things happen, then, uh, you know, just we, just, we just live with it, don't we? 
Yeah. That's, uh, that's what uh, people have come to expect from a, a podcast that's not done by something like the BBC. So don't worry. Yeah. But, you know, okay. like we could now talk about it for another five minutes. Um, what, the, the sound level, the sound quality of your podcast, you mean? Yeah, and just the, yeah. the, 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 the fact that you brushed against the microphone slightly. Yeah, well, I think we have just talked about it for five minutes. I know, that's, why I, said, that's why I said another oh. five minutes. <laughs> you, know, you know, anyway, well, right, so, anyway. so you, um, you're, you're part of this organisation, this volunteer group yeah. called Unlocking Warwick. Yeah. And what do you do? You unlock Warwick every week. Exactly. <laughs> No, it's a group that is based on a an old building in Warwick called the Courthouse. Mm-hmm. Um, and a few years ago, it had a um, complete renovation, which was funded, <clears throat> excuse me, by the Heritage Lottery Fund. And as part of the uh, conditions for us receiving the money from them was that um, it, the town council should appoint a team of volunteers who would stage community events in the wonderful ballroom that we have in this building to uh, make it a community space and also to advertise the fact that it's there and just generally use it. So that's what we've been doing for about the last four years. So this old courtroom was sort of renovated, is that right? Yes, it dates back to, and I can't quite remember when it was built, in the 18th century sometime. Mm. And it was used as... A petty sessions court, that means a court which tried fairly trivial small offences like drunkenness and breaking windows and that kind of thing. Petty crimes. Petty crimes. Petty offences, yeah. Um, And um, since then it's been used for all sorts of things. It's At the moment it's used, uh, the town council is based there and the council chamber where they have their meetings is there. And on the first floor, we have a, a, a lovely Regency ballroom, which is any of your uh, listeners, if they know anything about Jane Austen and have seen any Jane Austen films, um, you'll see a Regency ball almost in almost any of them. And the building um, that you'll see in those films is very similar to the one that we've got. Okay. They're very precise sort of Regency ballroom style. So a ball just, I mean, you're not, we're not talking about a football here. Um, No, we're talking about, it's another word for a dance. Mm hmm. So in like in those Jane Austen uh, stories, those Jane Austen books that have been turned into films, there's always a scene at a ballroom uh, where there's a a dance and uh, probably the main, one of the main characters, Always in those Jane Austen stories, they're always kind of like desperate to meet the right man. Well, yes, because that's what it was like in those days for women, Um, because not many women were allowed to have jobs and the future for them was um, basically to become a a carer for their parents or to become a governess or to marry well. So it was very important they find a husband who will look after them for the rest of their lives. Right. And uh, going to the ball was a very good way of meeting people. Okay. And so what would these balls look like then? I mean, as you said, anyone who's seen a Jane Austen film will have seen um, those things, but what would they have looked like? Um, Well, the dancers were very sort of uh, formal and, well, sort of formal. They were danced en masse, a bit like a folk dance. And lots sort of, of people, tra- lots, sorry, lots of people all dancing at the same time. All dancing at the same time. And the, the part, you didn't always stay with your partner. The, the, the 
people move up and down. The, I'm not describing it very well, but it's a, they're c- kind of based on folk dances. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, most people got up for each dance and most people danced all the time. Not many people would sit out and everybody would dance at the same time in these intricate patterns. Mm. Um, mm. And we hold, we hold a Regency ball every year at Christmas and people dress up in Regency costumes and we get uh, musicians who play the right kind of music and uh it's terrific really good when you very say elegant very elegant yeah because i'm yeah. imagining though these kind of elegant regency era uh dresses yeah um you know the the women would have been uh wearing those sorts of clothes and also the the, the men would also be wearing these kinds of like frilly shirts and uh, that's right and um neck- tight trousers <laughs> <laughs> very tight trousers. Oh, very tight trousers. <laughs> and um uh like neckties and That's uh, it. Yeah. um you know nice jackets and things like that. So this yeah. is, I guess this is one of the um attractive uh, features of any Jane Austen film mm. is that you get to yeah. see the handsome young male actors in their tight trousers exactly. and you also see these um these uh, pretty female uh, characters in these dresses, which are often done up rather tightly as well, with the heaving, have, heaving bosoms. Well, they're actually not done up very tightly a lot of the time, because in that, in that era, they used to wear what was known as Empire Line. Oh, really? And the dresses were fitted under the bust, t- tied under the bust, and then the rest of the dress was fairly loose. Under the so, bust? Sorry. Under the bust. Yeah. What's that? What's that then? What's a bust? What's the, oh, that's an embarrassing thing to ask me. A yeah. woman's breasts. <laughs> Does it have to be said like that? A woman's breasts. <laughs> um, and they were usually quite low cut, so the breasts were, ob- were quite often quite obvious. Okay. So, so what with the men's legs and the ladies' busts, it was quite um, interesting. Okay, and that that may be part of the appeal of Jane Austen stories being turned into films. Who knows? I think it could well be. It's obviously not the only reason, but it's part of the appeal. That the, I think it's part of the reason why some people watch them. Yeah, definitely. Yes, I think so. But other than that, um, those stories and those films often deal with the difficulties of trying to find um, a husband or a wife mm. in that period yeah. of time. And it was a it was a very beautiful time as well with these Regency. Uh, yeah. re- these, this Regency style architecture. What do we yeah. mean by Regency? Oh gosh, I knew you were going to ask me that. Ah. It's a certain period of time during the 18th century and I can't remember. It was at the time when George III was not well and uh-huh. um, his son who became George IV his son, the prince became the regent and that means a regent is uh, someone who steps in and does the king's job when the king is indisposed. So we had a, a period of regency when the prince was in charge rather than the king. And I'm afraid I can't remember the dates. Um, I've just Wikipedia'd it. Okay. And it says here, according to Wikipedia, the regency in Great Britain was a period when King George III was deemed unfit to rule, exactly mm-hmm. what you said. And mm-hmm. his son ruled as his proxy, basically yeah. as his replacement, uh, as prince 
Prince Regent. On yep. the death of George III in 1820, the Prince, Prince Regent became George IV. The term Regency or Regency era can refer to various stretches of time. Some are longer than the decade of the formal Regency, which lasted from uh, 1811 to 1820. Oh, so it was the beginning of the 19th century. I thought it was late 18th century. No, right at the beginning of the 19th ah. century. So the, the, the specific Regency period is... 1811 to 1820 that's when uh, George III was uh, not fit uh, to yeah. be king and he was replaced by the prince regent yeah. um and then um also it says here the period from 1795 so that yeah. does include the end of the 18th yeah. century. The period from 1795 to 1837 mm. uh, which includes the latter part uh, of the reign of George III mm. and also the reigns of his sons George IV and William IV is often regarded as the Regency era characterised by distinctive trends in British architecture, literature, fashions, politics and culture. The Regency era... era the Regency era ended in 1837 when Queen Victoria succeeded William IV. So there's sort of the the specific Regency period, which is when the Prince Regent was um, the proxy for uh, mm-hmm. the King. So that's yep. uh, 1811 to 1820. And then the, the, the wider Regency period, which goes from 1795 to 1837. So Did not the, the Prince uh, start... Hit- Becoming the regent in 1797, did you say? Um, because I, he he was regent for a while, and then the king came back for a while before he died. Oh, is that right? Is that right? Anyway, it doesn't really matter, but you get the idea. We can say. Was. I mean, I guess for my listeners who who probably aren't, <clears throat> you know, doing British history degrees, <laughs> I, I guess you know, in in common parlance. We talk about the Regency era, and that means right at the end of the 18th century and the, in the, the few decades at the beginning of the 19th yeah. century, that's yeah. the Regency era. And yeah. it is marked by a, a certain kind of architecture, isn't it? Oh, yes, very classical. Classical style classical. architecture. Yeah, classical so, forms. So this, this old courtroom that mm-hmm. used to be used as a courtroom for petty crimes in Warwick yeah. mm. and which has since been renovated and is now available uh, for use by um, uh, the com- like community groups like Unlocking yeah. Warwick. This uh, You've got a space where the courtroom was and then above that on the mm-hmm. second floor, second floor, I think? First, first floor, floor first is what you'd call it. First Not, floor. There's the ground floor and the first floor. Okay, so the first floor, there you have this beautiful renovated Regency style ballroom mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. um i guess during the regency period would have held balls like the kind of thing we we have seen in jane austen films absolutely and absolutely there are reports of them in the local paper really <clears throat> yeah ah interesting and yes you uh every christmas you have uh, a regency ball we there do. as well okay yeah and unlocking warwick is a group that is responsible for for organizing events in this yeah. space yeah. Yeah. Okay. Along and with various other bits and pieces, but that's essentially what we do. Yes. And you were, you were, <clears throat> uh, you had a meeting recently, and you had the the uh, job of writing up the minutes, the, yeah. the the record of what was said at the meeting. Exactly. Not a verbatim word for word report, but no. a summary. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. So that's what you've been up to. That's what I did this morning, and then since then I've been shopping and washing and all sorts of interesting, exciting things. Yeah. Okay. Um, you said to me before recording this that um, before we started recording, 
uh, you said that um, if it starts raining, mm. you actually you didn't say if it starts no. raining. What did you say? <laughs> I didn't. I said if it starts pissing down. Okay. Which is a not very polite way of saying when it starts raining. That's not the sort of thing you would hear in a Jane Austen film. No, it isn't. Why, Mr. Darcy, uh, you have caught me so unexpectedly <laughs> while uh, attempting to get the uh, the laundry in from from the washing line here. And, uh, oh, it, is, it has now started pissing down with rain, Mr. Darcy. <laughs> no, that, yes. they wouldn't say use that kind of language. But do people really say pissing down with rain? Do you, I mean, you did. You obviously yeah. did, didn't you? Yeah. And you're very... Well, m- maybe. I mean, uh, I'm... Maybe I'm a particularly uh, rude person. I mean, there are some people that would never say it, but uh, it is pretty much in common usage, isn't it? I think so. Hmm. Because what what happens is that uh, lots of my students uh, who are learners of English... Hmm. When it's when it starts raining, they they point out the window. Go look, look! It's it's raining cats and dogs. Yes, and I'm like, yeah. Hmm. It's a slightly old fashioned term that now, isn't it? It's the kind of thing my parents would have said. Really? Would they really have used it then? They would have yeah. used it a lot. Well, we do as well. Sometimes we'll say, "Oh, it's cats and dogs here." It's raining cats and dogs here. No, we would miss out raining. We'd just say, oh, it's cats and dogs. You know, it uses such a shortened form. I've never heard you say that. Oh. <laughs> well, I Sorry. think I have said it. No. Oh, yeah, of course. I'm sure you have. I'm sure you have said it. Um, but yeah, I guess people do say uh, it's pissing it down. Mm. It's, pi- it's pissing it down. Yeah. Which is odd. Or it's raining buckets or it's bucketing mm. well as my mother used to say and i don't know whether it was just her her made up thing but she used to say it's shuttering down it's shattering down no not shattering shuttering it's shuttering down yeah i don't know where she got that from because a shutter is like something you'd use it sort of covers the outside of a window yeah kind of like wooden doors that that wooden slats wooden slats that come down yeah. or that you close on the outside of a, yeah. a window it's shuttering down i've never heard that one in no, my life no i've never heard anyone else say it it must have been one of her own yeah uh, made up words it must have been there are, there are loads and loads of different versions of um you know uh, uh different phrases that people use around the world yeah. for describing heavy rain i did a whole episode of the podcast about it did you yeah my listeners can find that one in the archive i think it's called oh. raining animals oh, yeah because there are lots of different you know versions yeah. um okay so anyway welcome onto the podcast thank you how do you feel about being on on my podcast um it's a bit odd, really. What? I feel a bit self-conscious. I think I'm a bit more like James. I know James always feels a bit self-conscious, yeah. sort of thinking, what on earth do people want to listen to me wittering on for? What, what on earth do people want to listen to you? Why do they want to hear me wittering on? Wittering on. Wittering on is what we're doing. Mm. Just talking. Yeah, talking in a rather uh, unfocused way. I think to witter... Or to mm. witter on, which is a mm. lovely phrase. I like it. Uh, this one, for me, means to talk at length about right. trivial things. Yes, that sounds about right. Um, and probably in a, in a slightly unfocused way, a bit like rambling. Yeah. A um, ramble chat, as Adam Buxton would say. A ramble chat, <clears throat> as Adam Buxton would say. And actually, it's quite interesting that we have the word witter, or mm-hmm. to, to witter, or to witter on, and to ramble, and to ramble on, and to chat... And also, uh, this probably uh, leads us into talking about other people's podcasts. Yeah. Right? Um, yes. 
which we'll come on to in a moment because I've got a okay. question from a listener, which uh-huh. is, you know, do you listen to other podcasts? And I've got a question uh, to ask you about that. And okay. I'm sure the words ramble and witter will come back um, as we talk about those things. Um, so, right. So you think, oh, what on earth do people want to listen to me for? Mm. Is that what you're thinking? Yes. Well, I mean, you know, you say that, but um, I've had uh, various comments over the years from people saying nice things about you. Yeah. Uh, so it seems that people do want to, to hear what you have to say. Yeah, well, that's very nice. Yeah. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Mm. Um, I mean, you know, they listen, they, they like to hear uh, real English spoken by mm. real people. And you're a real person. Yes, I think so. Yeah. Last time you checked. Hmm. I think uh, you were real. So there you go. And also people like your, your voice. They like your accent. Oh, good. Yeah. I've got... Whatever, I've got, whatever that is. Whatever that is. What is my accent? That's a good question. How would you describe your accent? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't feel as though I've got any specific accent apart from, I suppose, possibly there might be a slight touch of Yorkshire in one or two words, but... Really? What do you think? Do you think I've got one? And what, if so, what is it? Um... It's really hard to say, isn't it, these days? I, I'm, mm. uh, my um, approach to this is to say that I think you probably have received pronunciation, but mm. it's a sort of standard received pronunciation. Because um, the way I try to categorise it, I say, so you've got received pronunciation and then you've got uh, heightened received pronunciation, like which is like air, 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 air. Yes. that sort of that terribly posh way that um, yeah. someone like you know, Jacob Rees-Mogg might speak. Oh, don't, yeah. I know, uh, bad example. Don't go there. Don't even go there. But the, <laughs> that kind of very posh form, yeah. old-fashioned uh, form of English that we only associate with the, the terribly upper-class people. Mm. Um, and then then received pronunciation, which is, I think, basically how we speak. Mm. But then there's also received pronunciation with certain regional variations. Mm-hmm. Like, for example you know, maybe just the way that certain vowel sounds get pronounced. Uh, mm. And that would probably uh, include differences between the North and South, mm. just v- slight differences between the North and South without it becoming a full-blown regional accent. Mm. So I'm talking about, for example, the way that, I mean, what's the name of this thing that that I'm interviewing you on now? You are in an episode of? The podcast. Podcast. Okay, so you As say... As opposed to, yeah. Yeah. So a, no- a truly northern person would say podcast, I suppose. Podcast, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. My, my friend Andy Johnson, mm. uh, who comes from the north, let's say. Yes. I'm just yes. not going to be more specific than that. Yeah. Um, he speaks with received pronunciation, yeah. uh, but he does say podcast. Yes. And the other examples are things like, you know, bath instead of bath, mm. grass. Path instead of path. Yeah, well, we, uh, in the south... Yeah. Let's say people say path and in the north yeah. it's path. Um, you know, so so mm. you, you, you go from received pronunciation to a slightly regional version of it. And then beyond that, you get into like very uh, clear regional accents, mm. which are linked to certain dialects. And that's mm. where you're into full on sort of Scouse English or Brummy or Geordie or, or, or you know, uh, different things like that, you see. So mm. I think you've basically got received pronunciation, maybe with ever s- very slight regional um, features, but Possibly. it's not very it's not very obvious. I, th- <coughs> I think that your I think that maybe your Yorkshire background 
comes out a little bit sometimes mm. in in certain words and certain things you say. Yeah, possibly. But generally speaking, I would say that you speak received pronunciation, just mm. standard received pronunciation, without many regional um, yeah. features. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I'd go along with that. I mean, you know, I don't know if if uh, in England we really sort of uh, think about our accents very much. No. I mean, it's something I think about all the time because obviously... Well, because it's your work. It's my job, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Let, let me move on to a question that was sent in by a listener called Jill Marnie. Uh, yeah. Just this morning, I wrote on in the comments section of the website, I said, I'm going to talk to my mum on the podcast. Have you got any questions? So they haven't had many, they haven't had much time to, to mm. submit their questions. But this one's from Jill Marnie. And she says, mm. uh, do you listen to podcasts? And she means other than Luke's English podcast. Because she, she assumes... <laughs> she assumes that I listen to yours, does she? Exactly, yeah. She mm-hmm. assumes that you listen to this. So do you listen to podcasts? Uh, which ones? Do you, do you listen to, to Luke's English podcast? Marnie? I do. Yeah, I do. Really? Not, not all of them by any means, but I do listen to them now and then. Yeah, really? Yes. Okay. All right then. But yeah, go on. Well, I was going to say, what do you think of yours? Yeah. Ooh, you don't really <laughs> want me to tell you, do you? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Some of them are fantastic, Luke. Some of them are a bit rambly and they go on a bit, but uh, uh, most of them are excellent. I think. Okay. All right. Okay. Good. Um, and but what about other people's podcasts? Yes, my very favourite at the moment is a podcast called Backlisted Podcast. Oh yeah. Which is um, done by two men who used to be colleagues at Waterstones Bookshops, which is a big chain of bookshops in England. Waterstones. Yeah. It's funny, I would say Waterstones, but uh, Waterstones. What did I say? Waterstones. Waterstones. <laughs> oh, you're making me think about the way I say everything. Don't, don't. Yeah, I think I, I would have thought I would normally say Waterstones. It must be something to do with speaking into this microphone that's making me. Uh, I don't know, but yeah. I would I would definitely say Waterstones. But yeah. you know, you know who would say Waterstones? Yes, Alan Partridge would say yeah. Waterstones. Oh well. Anyway, never anyway, mind. there are two people who used to work at that shop. Yeah. Um, and they're very, they're expert in book selling and producing books, publishing books and so on. And one of them has written a book called, um, The Year of Reading Dangerously, which is really good. I would recommend it to anyone. Mm. And the other one is a, a publisher of a publishing company called Unbound, which is an unusual small publisher. Anyway, they do the, a podcast every fortnight. Uh, talking about backlisted books, which which means books that are m- mainly out of print or which um, aren't popular in bookshops. You know, they've they've gone onto the backlist of books books that are ordered for bookshops. Um, and of course, there are some fantastic books that come under that um, heading. Mm. And they make a speciality of talking, choosing a particular book every fortnight and having someone, a guest on who particularly likes that book or is particularly knowledgeable about that book and who can talk about it and explain why they think it's such a good book. And then they just generally chat. They generally witter. Although it's not quite wittering because it's a little bit more, um, has more form than just wittering. There is, you know, it takes certain form every time. There's, there's um, a bit more structure to it than just a, the word. just wittering on, yeah. Exactly, um, but they're very they're so knowledgeable, and yet they're not academic, they're not stuffy. Um, they speak in a very natural way, just chat as though you're sitting around the kitchen table talking to them. 
Um, and actually, Rick and I went to a live recording of it a couple of weeks ago in Oxford. Oh, really? And that, the one that we went to is coming up on Monday night. Okay. And what did Monday, they... Monday Sorry? Monday night it's coming up, yeah. Well, it's actually Monday morning. Okay. Um, So you went to a live recording of the... Yeah. It's it's the backlisted podcast, yeah? That's right. And so can I ask who was there and what they were talking about? Well, it was the two guys who run it, you know, John Mitchinson and Andy Miller. And they, the expert or the enthusiast for the book, which was Jacob's Room by um, Virginia Woolf. Yeah. The enthusiast who was talking about it was Mark Haddon. Did you ever read the book, The Curious, curious Story of the Dog in the Nighttime? Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime. Curious Incident it? of the Dog in the Nighttime. You know, I never actually read it, but it's yeah. one of those books that mm. it, uh, is always recommended to learners of English by oh, English really? teachers. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I think the reason for that is because it's written in a fairly simple style. Yes, because it's written from the point of view of a child, a child who's got autism. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's like a mystery story written from the point of view of an autistic child. Yeah. And as a result, it, it, it's quite an easy read, I think. I suppose it is from that point of view. Yeah. It's a very good book. Mm. Um, anyway, this the, Mark Haddon, who was the author of that book, was the expert and enthusiast for Jacob's Room. And he was really most impressive. He spoke so wonderfully, so articulate, so fluid in his speaking and his he was obviously he said he read the book at least he'd read it at least 12 times reads it at least once a year wow so he spoke very enthusiastically about it it's just very good and every for every episode they have someone like that talking about why they like the book so much and i really enjoy it and i've discovered lots of good books Hmm. to read from listening to that I see. Okay. You know, unusual books that you wouldn't necessarily see in a bookshop. Yeah, because how do we find books these days? Yes, quite. You need to know what you're looking for, really, don't you? Which is why that's useful. I think often we we find books, I, I suppose there's two ways that we'd find books. The first way is that you go into a bookshop and you look at their list of recommended books. They, they have tables. They, for example, in Waterstones, if you go into a Waterstones in England Waterstones. somewhere, or Waterstones, mm. <laughs> um, yeah. you go in and there are tables in the middle with piles of books. And these are like the kind of recommendations of the guys who work in the shop. Mm. And then they have uh, shelves with the, um, the top 10 or top 20 books in the UK at that time, at that moment, the best-selling mm. books. Mm. Um, yes. And usually this is how we find our books, right? We just kind of peruse the different shelves and tables and um, we go based on the recommendations of the people who work in the shop or we um, we just look at what everyone else is buying. And the yes, second, and of course, in, yeah. in most bookshops, the books that are in high street bookshops are books that have been published quite free, quite recently or their old, their classic literature, you know, your Jane Austens and your Dickens, yeah. people like Is that. that your phone? Yes, that's James. <laughs> that's James. Yeah. James is is, is uh, WhatsApping us. He is. While we're on the podcast. Yes, which he, how dare he? It seems to suggest almost that he wants to be involved, which is n- it's not normally the way it goes, because he's normally like, oh, do we have to? Um, anyway, James has been... Uh, oh, no, he, no, he, no, he's talking... No, I don't think he knows we're doing this. He's talking about his tweet. 
yeah. that she was that was uh, liked by someone. James uh, tweeted to Mark Kermode, the uh, the film reviewer. Yeah, um, and Mark liked um, his tweet, yes. and I noticed it, and I texted yeah. you and him saying, "Look, Mark liked James's <laughs> tweet." And James didn't seem to... Hadn't even noticed. Well, he hadn't noticed or he did, didn't make a big deal out of it. Yeah. When when someone uh, likes one of my tweets, like, for example, Ricky Gervais liked one of my tweets recently. I noticed that, yeah. Yeah. When when someone likes one of my tweets, you know, some sort of high-profile person, I'm usually delighted. Yes. I think it happened. it's happened with Ricky Gervais, Adam Buxton, uh, Mark Kermode, and maybe and Neil Innes, the musician... Um, and I was absolutely delighted when that happened. Yeah, and James yeah. just got liked by Mark Kermode and you know, he's like, yeah. Never mentioned it. Just never even quiet. mentioned it. I think it's because he hadn't even noticed it. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Anyway, it's- he's now, I replied and yeah. he is, he, the t- uh, one he just sent now was, says, is that three of us who've been liked by Mark Kermode? Yeah. I you think- have. And I think I, wasn't I liked? I think you were liked by Mark Kermode I can't once. remember what for. Yeah. Isn't it funny the way we're using the word like like this now? Yeah. Oh, it's changed its meaning in such a such a way, hasn't it? Yeah. It well, it's so many different things now. Yeah, it's just got a new meaning. It's it's not yeah. hasn't taken anything away from the previous meaning of the word like. No. It's just that now there's this other meaning, which is to mm. to sort of uh, validate something, uh, not validate, yeah, to give the thumbs up to something on social yes, networking yeah. sites to um, approve to approve of something yeah so mm. you've been liked by mark kermode i have mm. and so has james now so that's mm. that's good and it's funny that we're talking about mark kermode because yes this does relate to podcasts and it does relate to wittering and we'll we'll come on to that in a moment actually well i was just going to say apart from backlisted my next favorite i think oh no Possibly my next favourite is um, Frank Skinner's podcast of his radio show. Uh huh. Frank Skinner. And then, sorry, Frank Skinner. Yeah, who's he's that? A, who's that? He's an English comedian who was a stand-up comedian in the nineteen eighties, nineties. Yeah. Um. Now he he still does it, but n- nowhere near as much as he did. Mm. He now tends to write, I think, and also uh, he does a, this radio show on a Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a London, Absolute Radio, that's Absolute a London. Absolute Radio he's on, yeah. A London uh, station, isn't it? Yeah. I think. Yeah. Anyway, I think he's very witty, very articulate, very quick-witted. Yes. And I love listening to him. Yeah. And he's uh, um, he's from where is it? Where's he oh, from? Oh well, West, yes, he's West from Bromwich. our neck of the he's from our neck of the woods, not quite because he comes from West Bromwich, which is um, it's not Birmingham, it's um, the Black Country, isn't it? Yeah, I think technically it counts as the Black Country, mm. which is next is sort of next to Birmingham, isn't it? Well, it's part of the Midlands. Yeah, yeah, and he's got uh, a Black Country accent. He has a very strong one. Yeah, which is a lovely accent. Mm. I it think. is. Yeah, yeah. I, I do like accents in the Midlands. Yes. I think that they get a bad rap. They do. Um, you know, in various kind of... We were talking about accents just now, but um, in uh, every now and then um, there's some kind of accent survey that goes around and people are asked about their um, favourite and least favourite accents or uh, their associations with different accents. And it seems that Birmingham 
always ends up at the bottom of the list. People or, say that Birmingham people sound untrustworthy. Untrustworthy? Yes, that's what really? I've heard. I, I think is most unfair. It, absolutely, yeah. And I, I've also heard that uh, people say that a Birmingham accent makes people sound stupid. What mm. always how's it going? That kind of uh, intonation pattern. People, for some reason, find that to be a, a bit stupid. But uh, I mm. disagree. I, I really mm-hmm. like it. Um, I think it's great. I absolutely love it, Jill. I, yes, I do. I do too. I you know, do too, Luke. I, I yeah. like. I like the Birmingham accent. I don't understand why why people have got a problem with it. No, I think it's great. It's great, isn't it? Uh-huh. Um, anyway, so Frank Skinner mm. is another one of yes. your favourites. And the third one, which I'm going to mention, is, as you hinted at, yeah. is Wittertainment, the uh, Mark Kermode and Simon Mayo podcast I think the f- of their radio programme. The full title of that podcast is Mark Kermode and Simon Mayo's Film Review. Right. But the everyone who listens to it considers it to be the Wittertainment podcast. Yes. That's the sort of nickname of it. And I think on Twitter, their, their, their Twitter handle is at Wittertainment. Is. Yeah. Uh, so what, okay, can you explain the appeal of, of, of that? Because that's my favourite podcast as well. Yeah. It's the one I've been listening to for years and years and years. I mean, yes. I'm a devoted long-term listener, an yes. LTL. Yeah. Um, so what's the appeal of Mark and Simon's podcast? Uh, well, because Mark is incredibly articulate and he's brilliant the way he talks about film. But um, they're both extremely good radio people. They can talk really well and they have this wonderful relationship, mm. um, which... Um, they they seem to be on the same wavelength, but they play this game of being irritated with each other, with each other a lot of the time mm. and sort of vaguely insulting each other. And Mark, um, Simon Mayo tends to pretend to be very irritated by Mark Kermode sometimes. And <laughs> it's just very good. It's just a great, <laughs> a great relationship. And they just witter away with each other, sounding a bit like irritated old women half the time. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, um, they they witter as we've said, you know, talking yes. at length about trivial things. But I mean, they they do. Um, the main purpose of the show is to review uh, the Films. weeks the weeks yeah. new film releases in the cinema. Yeah. And Mark mm. is an expert on cinema, and he's mm. a, a you know a film uh, writer. He writes. I mean, a journalist. He writes a, yeah. a reviewer, a film critic. Yes. Yes. Got there in the end. Yeah. He's a professional film critic, but he's also an excellent broadcaster, as you just said, especially on on this radio programme, which is um, broadcast live on on BBC Radio 5 um, Mm. every Friday afternoon. And then Five Live. Five Live, it's called. It's not. You've just made the mistake that. Yeah, Mark. Mark Kermode always makes, and Simon Mayer always corrects him. Corrects him and says, no, Five Live. It's called Five Live. It's not called BBC Radio Five. It's called Five Live. That's that's actually the name of the station. Yeah. Um, and uh, so it's broadcast every Friday afternoon on Five Live, and then they they turn it into a podcast, which gets uploaded like immediately afterwards. Um, and it's been going for years and years and years. Mm, um, yeah. So they they witter away. They as well as reviewing films, they also just witter about yeah. all sorts of stuff. Um, and uh, and they bicker with each other. Yes, that's the word. Yeah, bickering. Yeah. What's, yeah. Bi- what's bickering? Um, a sort of gentle argument the whole time. Yeah. Uh, getting at each other. Um, a bit like an old married couple. Yes, exactly. 
who was sort of like, you know, I didn't. No, you didn't do that. Yes, I did. No, you didn't. Oh, well, whatever. You've forgotten. You did that last week, and not that. And no, I, no, I didn't. Yes, yes you, you did. did. Oh, oh <laughs> all right. That kind of thing. Yeah. Like arguing, but without really any consequence. Just yeah. the way that sort of old friends or an old married couple might argue. Yeah. bickering yeah and it's it is immensely pleasurable to listen to them wittering and bickering and bickering and uh listening to mark uh review films in a very articulate way oh brilliant he's absolutely brilliant and also I, i'm amazed at the way he can talk it's incredible isn't it yeah mm. i'm really impressed by him yeah uh and uh um and and one of the things that often comes up is the idea that films are not always just about the thing that they appear to be about <laughs> well according to mark they're not anyway don't, and simon always pretends not to understand what he's talking about that's right yeah but, um for example what's the one jaws jaws mark Hermit says well of course it's not about sharks yeah that apparently jaws is not about a shark uh yeah. jaws i don't know if my listeners know it's probably got a different name in their country but jaws mm-hmm. is that famous steven spielberg film about the shark uh, you know the one, that's Jaws, and um, it's a great film, uh, but according to Mark, it's not really about a shark, it's actually about, uh, you know, it's about a divorce, or it's about the uh, this man's sort of um, uh, family life, or that it's about his, his yeah, his, his divorce, or his marriage, or something. I don't know what it's about, to be honest, <laughs> what he thinks it's about. I think that comes from the book actually um, um right. i can't remember who wrote the book uh, william peter Blench, Be- benchley Be- yeah benchley somebody benchley yeah yeah that's right peter yeah. benchley that's it yeah uh, peter benchley wrote the book and it's really obvious in the book that the that the shark is not the main element of the book that okay. actually the shark is just a metaphor for uh, problems in the marriage of the main yeah. characters yeah. and that's what the shark represents but Steven Spielberg chose to to make the film all about the shark <laughs> which was a great idea yeah. because I've read the book and the marriage stuff is pretty dull yeah and but the bit about the shark eating people that's where it gets really good <laughs> um okay so Mm-mm. uh so so the wittertainment podcast yeah Mm-mm. um how do you listen to podcasts I listen to them at night when I'm in bed because uh-huh. I find it quite hard to get to sleep. And for some reason, I find that um, listening to the spoken word, listening to people talking tends to relax me and I can get to sleep better. So very often it takes me three or four listens to hear all the way through a podcast because sometimes I'll fall asleep in the middle of it. And then the next night I have to go back and find out where I last left it. Did, did you know that you can set uh, a timer on your podcast player so that it will play for 15 minutes or half an hour and then stop automatically? I think I did. I ought to do that. You should do that, yeah. Yeah. Most decent podcast apps or podcast players will have a, a timer which will allow you to just, you know, set it so that, that you know, if you set it for 15 minutes, yeah. Yeah. you could just... You know, if if it stops while you're still awake, you just start it again. Mm. But if it, if you fall asleep before it stops, then you don't have to go through the trouble of like trying to find the bit where you fell asleep. That's very clever. I shall do that. Mm. You yes. should do that. Yeah. So you listen when you're in bed, then, okay? Yeah. Um, yeah <laughs> A yeah. lot of people do, apparently. Really? Yes. Um, I've heard Frank Skinner 
uh, read out messages from some of his listeners saying that that's what they do. Yeah. And also, I'm sure Mark and Simon have have uh, read out messages to that effect as oh, well. Yes, I'm certain they have because they, yeah. they they've read out messages from listeners uh, talking about how. Uh, they've been listening to the podcast in all sorts of uh, incredible yes. situations. Yeah. Like, for example, on the operating table. Yes. Um, I th- I'm sure I've heard... Uh, yes, mes- I think I've heard that. Yeah, messages from listeners who, who were listening to the podcast during brain surgery, I think. <laughs> right? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know whether I've heard that. But it's quite believable because in certain kinds of brain surgery, you have to be awake yeah because they need to be able to see how you're reacting to what they're doing horrifying isn't it absolutely horrifying and also dental surgery possibly too. yes yeah yeah okay i think that as far as i can gather most of my listeners listen to this podcast when they're on public transport Mm. Um, well i don't have to do a commute anymore but if i did in the days when i did i used to read a lot you know i used to read loads of books but nowadays i think if i was doing it i would certainly be uh listening to podcasts yeah you as well as being a volunteer at unlocking warwick Mm. uh what else do you do what else you what else do you do with yourself (laughs) (laughs) well on the subject of books i also work in a second-hand bookshop okay that's the end of uh the first part of this conversation Uh, The conversation will carry on in the next episode and you'll be able to hear Mum talking about the second-hand bookshop where she works and also some of her recent book recommendations and some more things. Uh, But now let me fly through some of the vocabulary that you just heard in uh, this conversation. Uh, And by fly through, I mean go through it quickly. Are you ready? Here comes a big injection of vocab. I've made a big list of words from the conversation that you've just heard. Uh, you can find that list of words on the page for this episode on the website, of course. How many of these words did you notice in the conversation? Listen carefully. See if you know them all. Also, see if you can use them all. Because it's no good just l- knowing a word. You also need to be able to use it as well, right? Um, so listen carefully. Don't just assume that you know all of these words or that this bit isn't really necessary, this, now, this is where the learning can really happen, or it's at least part of the process. Let's say the process could be in three stages. Stage one, you notice language, okay? You start to notice it. Stage two, you understand it. You kind of learn, for example, uh, how it works, not just what it means, but also the way it in which bits of language fit into the grammar of English in general. So, for example, you know, is this a, a noun or a verb? If it's a verb, um, you know, is it transitive or intransitive? Does it need a preposition to, when, if you add a noun to it, what's the past form of this expression? Are there other little auxiliary verbs or other little prepositions that go with these words? So you sort of start to get to know the meaning and form of the language as well after you've noticed it. And then the third part is, that's right, being able to use it yourself. So I'm here to try and help you in that process. And uh, if you you noticed language in, in that conversation, let's now go through it and I'll try and help you to kind of get to know that language. Uh, it's up to you to try and find ways to use uh, this vocabulary, all right? So don't just assume that you know all of it already. This is where the learning can really happen. Once I've been through this word list, you could listen to the conversation again, 
because that will really kind of reinforce um, the uh, the the kind of the way that you're um, taking on this language. And when you do it, when you listen again, you should make a point of noticing all the phrases when they come up in the conversation. Also, you could take these phrases and put them into your own word lists. And then you could test yourself by perhaps covering up the word and reading the definition and trying to remember the original word. Or you could copy, paste the example sentences um, into documents of your own and then just sort of delete the key words and then try to write them in again from memory. All these little things, these little techniques are steps that you can take to help you to push your English to a higher level, to get beyond that intermediate or upper intermediate plateau into truly advanced English. You have to go the extra mile. You have to do these little things. Or you could just listen. It's up to you. So the vocabulary list. Let me go through this stuff. So the first thing is um, uh, this sentence. I typed up the minutes of a meeting of a volunteer group that I belong to. So I said to mum, what have you been doing? What have you been up to? And she told me about a meeting which she attended with this volunteer group. And she said that she typed up the minutes of the meeting. So the minutes of a meeting, do you know what that means? Uh, the minutes of a meeting are the notes describing what happened in the meeting. Uh, they're usually written down by hand and then they are typed up uh, and then probably distributed or uh, distributed to the people who were at the meeting or people who missed the meeting. Basically, the minutes become a record of what happened at the meeting. It's good practice that. It's, it's good practice to try and keep a record of, um, you know, of what happened in a meeting. Uh, usually you'll, you'll get someone there writing it all down and then they type it up later. To type something up means to basically convert handwritten notes into a document, you know, typed on a computer. Okay, so you take the minutes, you type up the minutes and then you probably distribute the minutes to people afterwards. This is kind of um, part of the language of meetings. This, there, there are so many other phrases uh, and bits of vocabulary around the whole uh, subject of meetings and stuff. Um, so uh, next thing on my list is uh, my mum said it's a very tedious job, but someone has to do it. Tedious just means boring. Okay, it's really tedious. So you know, just another way of saying boring. You've got dull, boring, and tedious. Um, nice synonyms there. So don't just use boring all the time. You can also use tedious as well. Like, for example, I don't know, if you have to go to the post office and there's a huge queue, you'd be like, oh, this is a bit tedious, isn't it, having to stand in this queue? And for my mum, writing up the minutes of a meeting, it's a tedious job. Nobody really wants to do it, but someone has to do it. And in this case, it's my mum who's doing it. And I asked her, did you volunteer to do that or did someone delegate that responsibility to you? So to, to, delicate, to, delegate, to delegate something to someone, this means to give someone a responsibility, all right? Uh, so, for example, you know, you might say, so um, thanks, thanks everyone for coming to the meeting. Um, Jill, would you mind taking the, the minutes uh, for this one? Can I just delegate that to you? Uh, so to, to delegate something is basically to give someone a responsibility. And it's delegate something to someone, all right? Um, at one point, uh, my mum banged the microphone, like, you know, she did that with the microphone and then she apologised. So you heard a little bang like that. And then she said, oh, sorry, I think I just banged the microphone and, and made a noise. Sorry. And I said, well, 
flagging it up like that may have just made it worse than it would have been. So to flag something up, or in this case, flagging it up like that, uh, to flag something up. Uh, To flag something up means to bring something to everybody's attention. You can imagine someone holding up a flag, you know, to bring it to everyone's attention. And in this case, my mum flagged up the fact that she'd knocked the microphone and made a noise like, oh, sorry, everyone, I just made a noise. And then I was like, well, you know, you just flagging it up like that kind of makes it worse because you bring attention to it. Um, okay, so that's to flag something up. Um, I said the fact that you brushed against the microphone slightly. So to brush against something, to brush against something, this means to touch something a little bit as you move past it. Um, to make contact with something as you move past it. To brush, you know, like to brush your teeth. Um, to brush against something. So it's a bit like this. Can you hear that sound? So if I just move my hand past the microphone, maybe to, you know, get a, take a slurp of tea, I would, whoops, I accidentally brushed against the microphone to brush against something. You know, similarly, if you're sort of um, walking along a corridor and you brush against the wall by mistake, you kind of brush against the wall. Uh, I don't know. What, is that bad? If the, if, the wall, if the wall has got fresh paint on it and you brush against the wall by mistake, you might end up with a bit of paint on your arm or something, you know, um, to brush against something. Um, uh, we also have the expression to brush up on something. That's an expression you might know. For example, to brush up on your English. That's another expression which means to sort of improve your skill in something. So to brush up on your English. So you might say, you know, I've been taking one-to-one lessons in order to brush up on my English. Now that's an idiom which just means to improve your skill. But to brush against something literally means to sort of make contact with something as you move past it. Uh, My mum brushed uh, against the microphone. Uh, All right. So the next thing is a building had a complete, the building had a complete renovation, which was funded by the Heritage Lottery Fund. So a renovation, a renovation is when the appearance of a building was changed in order to make the building look new again. So the building had a renovation and the verb is to renovate. So it was renovated. So it had a renovation. It was renovated. And that was funded by the uh, Heritage Lottery Fund. So if something is funded by something, it means it was paid for by, in this case, the Heritage Lottery Fund. That's a fund that comes from like money uh, that's taken uh, by the National Lottery. You know, if you buy a lottery ticket... Um, Obviously, the person who wins the lottery wins most of the money, but some of that money goes to a fund which is used to pay for certain things, like, for example, renovations of public buildings. It's quite good, really. Um, So a fund is a collection of money which is collected for a particular purpose, like, for example, the Heritage Lottery Fund. And the verb here is to fund something, to provide the money for something. For example, you know, uh, the, the Heritage Lottery Fund is funding... Uh, the renovation of the building. All right. Um, how are, how are building renovations funded in your country? Do you have something like the um, the Heritage Lottery Fund? Do you have something as exciting as that in your country? I wonder how these sorts of things are funded where where you're from. Um, and ne- the next thing is one of the conditions was that the town council would stage community events. So the verb 
stage here. It's it's a verb and it's a noun, but the word stage is what we're looking at. So the verb here is to stage an event, meaning to organise and present an event. Okay, in this case, um, like um, Regency style balls or Regency style dances in the in the Regency ballroom, um, and the noun is a stage. And then, obviously, a stage is a platform where performances happen. For example, in a theatre, you know, the the actors stand on the stage. But the verb to stage something is to sort of put on an event or present an event. Um, Mum said that the room, the ballroom, dates back to the 18th century sometime. So the expression here is to date back to. And this means that it comes from that time. It originates from that time. For example, this building dates back to the late 1700s. Next thing is, uh, it was a, it was used as a petty sessions court. Petty sessions. A court, you know what a court is. That's where, for example, legal cases get tried. You know, you, know, you get like a criminal court where criminals get, um, you know, uh, uh, criminals get sentenced or get uh, convicted in a court. Uh, you get a judge and a, possibly a jury and lawyers and stuff, a court. Uh, in this case, it, uh, the old courtroom was used as a petty sessions court. So petty sessions, these are court sessions or court procedures which are for petty crimes, okay? Uh, what are petty crimes? That's what you're asking me now. But Luke, what's a petty crime? Okay, so a petty crime, not a pretty crime. Petty, P-E-T-T-Y. These are like less serious crimes. They're also sometimes called summary offences in legal English. Um, so petty crimes are, you know, slightly less serious crimes. Things like, you know, incidents of theft or drunkenness, things like that. Trivial offences. Trivial is another word for not very important or serious. So we've got petty uh, and trivial, which are synonyms, uh, meaning not very important, not very serious. So you've got two types of crime. You've got petty crimes or summary offences, and then you have more serious crimes, which could, which are also called indictable offences. And that's, you know, stuff like uh, armed robbery or uh, murder and things like that. Um, then we've got... Um, uh, let's see. Mum talked about the Regency ballroom. So a ballroom is a like a fancy-looking room where formal dances are staged. And Regency, as you heard us say, Regency is a period of British history, including the very end of the 18th century and the beginning of the 19th century, the sort of Jane Austen period. That's the Regency period. So a Regency ballroom is a ballroom that comes from that period. Going to the ball was a very good way of meeting people at that time. A ball, here is, as as you heard me say, is not a football, but a ball is a kind of an organised dance, okay? And uh, my mum said that the dances were danced en masse. So en masse uh, means in a group or together. And it, actually, it's a French phrase that we use in English. On, uh, spelled E-N uh, dash mass, spelled M-A-S-S-E. So en masse, meaning in a group. Uh, A folk dance. Uh, Folk here refers to the traditions and culture of ordinary people rather than like upper class people or like nobility or something, just ordinary people. So uh, that's what folk means. It means of ordinary people. When I think of the word folk, 
Um, I think of uh, the countryside. I think of like farming communities, acoustic instruments, folk music, uh, simple clothing and group dances that involve old traditions. So um, those Regency ballrooms were a little bit like folk dances in the sense that everyone danced all at the same time. Um, you know, rather than uh, people just sort of dancing um, on their own uh, one at a time, you get the whole room would be dancing in this fairly sort of organised fashion, uh, organised along the lines of, you know, old traditions. Uh, about the clothes, uh, mum said, or I think I said, that men would be wearing these kinds of frilly shirts and tight trousers and neckties. Frilly shirts, so frilly, F-R-I-L-L-Y. Uh, which is an adjective, and frilly means a sort of a design of clothing, for example, a shirt that has fabric with lots of folds in it, folded fabric. There's a picture on the website here of um, Colin Firth from the BBC uh, production of Pride and Prejudice, a Jane Austen novel, and you can see him wearing a frilly shirt. It's kind of like a, a shirt with lots of folds on the front and a kind of uh, a high collar and a white necktie. He looks rather sort of dashing and handsome in that clothing. Um, Also, the expression heaving bosoms came up in this conversation. Um, Heaving bosoms. Well, a bosom, as you've, I think you heard my mum say, she explained what it is. A bosom is basically a woman's breasts or um, uh, the bust of a woman. Um, So, yeah. So, and heaving means kind of full or pushed up right so heaving bosoms as an image for you and i think like i said in the conversation i think this is part of the appeal of those jane austen movies that you get these uh handsome looking uh men in their frilly shirts and tight trousers and then you get these pretty girls with their heaving bosoms um and also you get these lovely stories and uh, the beautiful Regency uh, era architecture and all the other stuff. And Jane Austen's work is just brilliant, isn't it? Um, so you heard my mum say, what with the men's legs and the ladies' busts, it was quite interesting. So I want to just highlight here the expression, what with. So you've got what with and then a noun. And it's often what with all the noun. Okay, for example, what with the men's legs and the ladies' busts, it was quite interesting. Or what with all the, like, what with all the all of the things. Uh, now, this is a way to say because of, but you put the noun at the beginning of the sentence to kind of emphasise it. For example, this, right? You could say, it was difficult to hear him because of all the noise, all right? Now, another way to say that would be, what with all the noise, it was difficult to hear him, Okay. Another example would be, it was quite interesting because of the men's legs and the ladies' busts. Uh, But the other way of saying it would be, what with the men's legs and the ladies' busts, it was quite interesting. You see, so it's just another way of sort of, uh, uh, of putting the same thing. Another way of saying because of, but you can put different words at the beginning of the sentence to kind of emphasise them. Okay, right. For example, you might say, what with all of that explaining... Uh, what with all of that explaining, Luke made it a lot easier for uh, for us to understand the language. I hope, I hope it helps. Um, next thing is uh, in common parlance. 
So I said, uh, in common parlance, we talk about the Regency era. So the expression common parlance, this just means the things that people usually say. So parlance means the things that people say. And obviously, in common parlance means the things that people usually say. Um, Then turning to the subject of rain because my mum had some washing, some some laundry drying on the laundry line in the garden, the washing line, and she was concerned that it would start raining and that she would have to run outside and get the laundry in, which is a typical problem for any British person. She said, if it starts pissing down with rain. So pissing down means raining heavily, but it's a slightly rude way of saying it. Slightly rude, but to be honest, a very common expression. And you hear lots of people say, oh, it's pissing down, isn't it, today? Or it's it's going to start pissing down in, in a minute, for example. So slightly rude, but still, never, nevertheless, the kind of thing that my mum would say. And she's not a particularly rude or foul-mouthed person. Um, and the other expression, of course, is the one that you probably know, which is, it's raining cats and dogs, which also means it's raining heavily. But that's an idiom that's Honestly, we don't really use very much ev- anymore. It's an idiom that everyone knows, but um, I don't remember really hearing it very often. Um, I don't think we use it that much anymore. Um, another expression that's more common is it's bucketing down or it's bucketing it down. So the word bucket obviously is a, um, a container you, if you are washing your car, for example, you might have a bucket with some soapy water in it. So that's a bucket, you know, it's a, it's a thing you could use to carry water around. Uh, and it's bucketing it down means that, you know, there's lots of water coming down. You know, the rain is very heavy. So it's bucketing down or it's bucketing it down. A common informal expression, um, okay, uh, which, is, which is used uh, to describe heavy rain. By the way, episode number 135 of this podcast is called Raining Animals. And in that episode, I talked about the subject of heavy rain and all of the different expressions that you might hear British people using to, to describe heavy rain. And also, I rambled on about whether animals ever do actually rain down from the sky. And in fact, there are a few cases of animals falling from the sky in the form of rain, including frogs and fish and other sorts of animals. So, uh, raining cats and dogs, where does that expression come from? Well, it may actually even come from incidents in which animals did fall from the sky. It's a bit of a mystery. I talked about it in episode 135. You can find it in the episode archive if you're interested. Uh, So, what about ways of talking? Well, we've got three, at least three expressions here for talking about talking. So, the first one is to ramble or to ramble on. Now, you're probably familiar with that one because I use it quite a lot on this podcast because I'm well aware that I have a tendency to ramble. Uh, to ramble means to talk for a fairly long time in, a, in quite an unfocused way. It's sometimes considered to be annoying because it means that someone doesn't really get to the point. Like, come on, Luke, get to the point. You're just rambling now. Uh, it can also be enjoyable. Just rambling can can be just enjoyable for itself. And I think that's... I think that's the appeal for the podcast. It can be just nice to listen to someone rambling on. So that's ramble. Note that it's ramble, spelt R-A-M-B-L-E, not rumble. That's R-U-M-B-L-E. To rumble is is a word we would use to describe a sort of sound, like... 
like maybe the sound of thunder or the sound of a train going over a, over a bridge or something. That's rumble, okay? So it's ramble, not rumble. And to ramble on basically means to just continue rambling, okay? To continue rambling. So to ramble on. So to ramble and to ramble on means like to keep rambling or to continue rambling. And it's to ramble on about something. So I just, I rambled on about um, about rain, for example. Uh, the next word is to witter or to witter on. So to witter or to witter on. And to witter is very similar to, to the word ramble. Wittering basically means talking without really saying anything important. And it can be used in a negative way as, as well. For example, oh, come on, stop wittering on which is when someone's just blah, 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 blah da, 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 just going on without really saying anything. Stop wittering, you know, for example. So it can be negative, but it's also quite positive as well because it can be pleasant to just listen to someone wittering away or wittering on about something, okay? Next one is uh, a ramble chat. Now, this is really something that, um, that Adam Buxton would say. Adam Buxton is this comedian... Uh, podcaster who both my mum and I like to listen to on the Adam Buxton podcast. And Adam often calls his conversations ramble chats on his podcast. You should listen to the Adam Buxton podcast. He does some really, really good jingles. In fact, there's a jingle that he did about his ramble chats. He plays that jingle before all of his interviews on his podcast. And I think the lyrics are something like this. They go, ramble chat, let's have a ramble chat. We'll focus first on this and then we'll turn to that. Come on, let's chew the fat and have a ramble chat. Put on your conversation coat and find your talking hat. To chew the fat is another expression that just means to talk, basically, to have a conversation. Uh, that is, Those are the lyrics to Adam Buxton's uh, Ramble Chat jingle. You'll have to listen to his podcast in order to hear the jingle properly, and I recommend that you do that, uh, because like my mum, I really enjoy listening to Adam Buxton's Ramble Chats on his podcast. That's the Adam Buxton podcast. You'll find a link uh, on the page for this episode. All right, let's keep going. So um, my mum said, what on earth do people want to hear me wittering on for? Okay, so there's that expression, wittering on again. Uh, But also I'd like to look at uh, just the question structure there. What on earth? So first of all, on earth, which is a nice way of emphasising a a WH question. What on earth is that? Who on earth are you? Where on earth are you going? What on earth is this? So on earth is a nice little phrase you can put after the WH word in a question to just give it a bit of extra emphasis. It's a bit like the ruder version, which is what the, what the, right? You know the one I mean. What the fuck is this? Who the fuck are you? Uh, you can tone it down a bit and just say, what on earth is this? Who on earth are you? Or what the hell is this? Who the hell are you? For example, in this case, it's my mum said, what on earth do people want to hear me wittering on for? Okay. And also we've got what for as well, which is another way of saying why. For example, why did you do that? Or what on, uh, sorry, why did you do that? And what did you do that for? mean the same thing. Why did you do that? Why on earth did you do that? What did you do that for? What on earth did you do that for? For example. Then we've got, um, so what on earth do people want to hear me wittering on for? Or why on earth do people want to hear me wittering on? And well, I'd like you to answer that question, listeners. Do you enjoy listening to my mum wittering on? Uh, Let us know in the comments section. Hopefully the answer's yes. 
Um, the kind of English that Jacob Rees-Mogg would speak. You heard me mention Jacob Rees-Mogg. We were talking about posh, heightened RP English. And I said, for example, the kind of English that Jacob Rees-Mogg would speak. Who's Jacob Rees-Mogg? Basically, he, he is a conservative politician, a member of parliament in Britain, who is very posh and very upper class. And he speaks with an obvious heightened RP accent. And my mum doesn't like him. And that's why she said, don't go there. Don't even go there. Because don't go there or don't even go there basically means don't start talking about that, okay? So I mentioned Jacob Rees-Mogg. My mum was like, oh, don't go there. Don't even go there, meaning don't talk about that because she doesn't like him. I said to to mum, I said, "Uh, I think you speak received pronunciation. And she said, yep, I'd go along with that. So I'd go along with that. I would go along with that. Yeah, I'd go along with that which basically means I agree, or I would agree with that. I'd go along with that. Okay. Um, I said, what do you think of the podcast, uh, of, of my podcast? And she said, some of the episodes are a bit rambly, and they go on a bit, but most of them are excellent. So if something is rambly, then, well, you know the word ramble, we've been through it uh, already here, but rambly, so that's R-A-M-B-L-Y, is just the adjective for the verb ramble. So my podcast episodes can be a bit rambly sometimes. And she said that they tend to go on a bit or they go on a bit. If something goes on a bit, it means that it goes on for too long. So, you know, it might be like, what do you think of my podcast? Well, you can be a bit rambly and you go on a bit. Meaning, you know, I talk a bit too much. I talk for a bit too long. Well, sorry. Sometimes I've just got to go through language, you know. I'm just trying to help my listeners to learn this crazy language. Let's see. Mum mentioned the Backlisted podcast. Uh, She said they do a podcast every fortnight. What is a fortnight? That's spelled F-O-R-T-N-I-G-H-T, one word. Well, a fortnight is just two weeks. That's an expression that's used in British English to mean two weeks. I understand they don't say fortnight in American English. They just say two weeks. And she said they do a podcast every fortnight talking about backlisted books. So these are books which are mainly out of print or aren't popular in bookshops. So uh, out of print books, well, I think I don't need to explain that. It's fairly obvious, isn't it? If something's out of print, it means it's not being printed anymore. Uh, and therefore it's backlisted. All right. Okay. So um, she was talking about the hosts of the backlisted podcast. She said they're so knowledgeable, knowledgeable, and yet they're not academic. They're not stuffy. So knowledgeable, uh, if someone is knowledgeable, it means that he knows a lot about things. He or she has a lot of knowledge. So that's knowledgeable. Can you say knowledgeable? Uh, Knowledgeable. He knows a lot. He has lots of knowledge of the subject. He's very knowledgeable about it. Can you say that? He's very knowledgeable about it. And that's knowledgeable. And then the word stuffy. And stuffy means sort of formal and old-fashioned. It's a negative and disapproving word, stuffy. You know, like imagine some old, very old professor who's like covered in chalk dust, grey-haired old professor in a library, and you could say he's some stuffy old professor. Um, formal, old-fashioned, yeah. So the, the hosts of the Backlisted podcast are not stuffy. They're kind of, you know, they're kind of cool, groovy. They they are able to talk informally in a fairly entertaining way. Um, 
Mum mentioned a book called The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Night Time by Mark Haddon, which is a good book for learners of English. And incidentally, it's written from the point of view of an autistic child. So the word autistic here. Autistic means suffering from autism. Fine. Don't, don't you love it when, when you look for a word in a dictionary and they don't really explain it for you? You're like, oh, what does autistic mean? And you look in the dictionary and it goes, autistic means suffering from autism. You're like, oh, great, that doesn't help. What does autism mean? So you have to look for the word autism. So autism is a developmental disorder characterised by sort of reduced social interaction or difficulties in communicating, problems with seeing and hearing and sort of certain types of repetitive behaviour. So it's, it's um, autism is, is a kind of, uh, you know, like a, a disorder, a developmental disorder. It's often diagnosed in, in children. So a child who's got problems communicating or, or problems with social interaction, they might be diagnosed uh, as autistic or, or suffering from autism. Okay, then we had uh, the word peruse. To to peruse, uh, for example, I was talking about um, in a bookshop, you just peruse the different shelves and tables looking for a good book. So to peruse, it's a nice word. It means to, to browse or to sort of read or investigate something in a relaxed and casual manner. So you might um, spend a bit of time perusing the bookshelves in your local bookshop. Or if... Um, I don't know, you've got like, um, you, you're, you're, you're at your friend's house and they've got like a nice, interesting book on the coffee table. You might spend a bit of time perusing uh, the book, meaning kind of uh, casually looking through the book, okay? To peruse something. Um, it's, it sounds a little bit kind of formal. It sounds a little old-fashioned, but at the same time, it's a nice word because the, the action of perusing is a pleasant thing to do. So I like the word. I think it's a, a, a nice word to use. Um, right, next one is, um, at one point, mum said, uh, James is WhatsApping us while we're on the podcast because you heard like a ding sound, a notification uh, from my mum's phone. And um, and she said, James is WhatsApping us. So that was James uh, texting the two of us on WhatsApp. Well, obviously, you know, WhatsApp is a, a messaging app on your phone. But also we can use that as a verb now, to WhatsApp someone, meaning to send a message to someone on WhatsApp. And then I think I said, how dare he? Sort of jokingly, I said, how dare he? Um, and how dare you? You know, normally it's how dare you, isn't it? Which is used when when you're shocked or unhappy with someone's behaviour. And uh, so you've got how how dare you? Like, for example, if someone says something rude to you, how dare you? But you can also say, how dare he or how dare she or how dare they as well. But it's, I guess, less common. Normally, how dare you? But sometimes, how dare he? Yeah. And then James uh, was, I guess, was he writing to us because he tweeted Mark Kermode? I'm not sure. But anyway, he tweeted to Mark Kermode. Mark Kermode is um, this film critic that um, mum and me were talking about that mum and I were talking about, this film critic, uh, Mark had tweeted on Twitter that he was listening to a couple of soundtrack albums for films by a director called William Friedkin. And James had replied to uh, Mark uh, saying that he had snapped up the soundtrack to a William Friedkin film recently called Sorcerer. This is all very fascinating, isn't it? 
Um, you see, Mark Kermode is a big fan of William Friedkin, especially the film Sorcerer. And so um, he liked James's reply. And so James... Uh, oh, well, I can't remember the flipping story. But anyway, Mark tweeted about uh, William Friedkin. James replied to him and Mark Kermode liked his tweet. And I was impressed because he's like, oh, Mark Kermode liked your tweet. And in the tweet, James said that he had snapped up the, the Sorcerer soundtrack on vinyl. I snapped it up. So to snap something up is a nice phrase. And this means to take something quickly. A bit like the way a crocodile would take something. Imagine if like, you know, uh, I don't know what it would be. Like if you, in a zoo maybe, if you throw a chicken to a crocodile, the crocodile would snap it up, right? Okay. Similarly, you can snap something up. Like if you are in the record shop and you find a really nice vinyl record, let's say it's the soundtrack to Sorcerer by William Friedkin. Oh, I'll have that one. Snap it up. Yeah. Okay. Um, What else? Mum talked about Frank Skinner, one of her favourite people to listen to, the Frank Skinner podcast. She said that he's very witty. Uh, He's very articulate and he's quick-witted. So witty basically means funny. He's able to make quick jokes. Like If you're witty, it means you can come up with quick jokes. Um, And if you're quick-witted, it means that you've got a fast brain for making jokes or quick comments. So to be witty and to be quick-witted as well. All right. Talking about Frank Skinner, um, I think that mum said uh, he's from our neck of the woods. He's from West Bromwich. It's in the black country. It's part of the Midlands. So our neck of the woods means the area where we live or the area where we come from. So Frank Skinner is from an area not far from where my parents live. So he's from their neck of the woods. The Black Country, by the way, is a region of the West Midlands in England, just west of Birmingham, and it's, it, it commonly refers to all or part of the four metropolitan boroughs of Dudley, Sandwell, Walsall and Wolverhampton. And that general area is called the Black Country because in the mid-19th century, there were many ironworking foundries and forges uh, that produced a lot of black smoke. And also because of the coal mines that produced the black rock dust from under the ground. So generally everything was black, black smoke in the air, black dust. And I imagine the faces of people who were working in the coal mines or working in the in the iron foundries, I imagine they were all dirty and, and blackened as well. So that's why the whole region is called the black country. It's not polluted like that so much anymore. But the uh, area retains its name as the Black Country. And in the Black Country, people have a particular accent. It's like a kind, it's similar to a Birmingham accent, you could say. So, talking about the Birmingham accent, I think my mum said that people say that people from Birmingham sound untrustworthy, uh, which is not true. I don't know why people think Brummies sound untrustworthy. So, the word untrustworthy basically means. Uh, can't be trusted. So if someone is untrustworthy, it means you can't trust them. Yeah. What's the opposite of untrustworthy? Well, yeah, it's trustworthy. If someone is trustworthy, it means they're honest and you can trust them. And if they are not, then you'd use the word untrustworthy. Um, Mark Kermode and Simon Mayo's film review, also known as the Wittertainment podcast, because they witter and it's entertaining. It's a combination of wittering and entertainment. So they've got wittertainment, uh, which is a whole concept of just the entertainment of listening to people wittering on. 
And I like that idea very much. Um, So talking about Mark and Simon on that podcast, they seem to be on the same wavelength. So if you're on the same wavelength as someone, or if two people are on the same wavelength, it means that they think in the same way. Wavelength, we're talking about sort of radio waves. You know, if you're on the same wave, if you tune your radio to the same wavelength as the radio station is transmitting, then you're able to hear the radio station, right? Similarly, two people can be on the same wavelength, meaning connected and thinking along the same lines. So they're on the same wavelength, they're on the same wavelength, but they play this game of being irritated with each other all the time. So to be irritated with someone means to be annoyed by someone or to be sort of pissed off with someone. Um, like, I don't know, an example of to be irritated. This is quite irritating, isn't it? This noise. You know, that's someone playing with a pen. Well, me playing with a pen. I was like, can you stop doing that? It's just, you're really irritating me. You are really irritating me. Or that's really irritating me. Right? You know, like, oh, you always get so irritated by this, don't you? You, you always... You're always irritated by this kind of thing. All right, so to be irritated with someone. Okay, irritating and irritated. Yes. And on uh, the Wittertainment podcast, they just witter away with each other. We've had that one, right? To witter, to witter on and to witter away. Um, And also they bicker with each other. So bickering, this is a nice word, um, a nice useful phrase. It means to argue, but not very seriously. Okay, bickering. And similarly, you could say getting at each other. They're always getting at each other, getting at each other. So to get at someone means to kind of criticise someone in little ways again and again and again. So bickering is like, you know, why didn't you do that? I did do it. No, you didn't. Always doing that. So irritating. Stop getting at me, for example, bickering and getting at someone. All right. Um, And then uh, the last item in my list here is uh, this one. And it goes, as far as I can gather, most of my listeners listen when they're on public transport. So the word gather there, G-A-T-H-E-R. So to gather can mean a few different things. But here it means to understand. As far as I can understand, most of my listeners listen on public transport. Or, Or as far as I can gather, in this case, we're, we're gathering information. To gather also means to collect. For example, to gather some firewood. If you're going to build a fire when you're camping, you need to gather some firewood. Go around and collect the firewood. Similarly, you can gather information or simply just understand it. Okay, that's the end of the vocab list. Um, Well done for getting all the way through it. Don't forget to check out the page for this episode on on the website where you'll see all that language written out. If you really want to build your vocabulary, this kind of thing is quite important. I'm just here to try and help in your process, okay? But you need to kind of take it a little bit further, look at that list, test yourself by maybe covering up some of the words. You can copy-paste that list onto a document and play around with it, you know, delete the, 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 the target words and then try to put them back in later. You know, there's lots of things you can do. Um, recently on the website, I have been adding little language quizzes, little interactive quizzes that help you test yourself. Now, there's no language quiz this time, okay? I've, there's no language quiz on the page. The reason for that is that it takes me absolutely ages to create them. 
and I don't have that much time. And I wonder how many of you are actually using them. So let me know if you have used the language quizzes that I've done for recent episodes of the podcast. Let me know if there is enough demand for language quizzes. I might try and bring them back, but give me your feedback. You see, I need to know what you think. I need to know how useful that kind of thing is for you. Um, podcast and book recommendations from mum again. So there was the backlisted podcast, Mark Kermode and Simon Mayo's film review, the Frank Skinner podcast. Uh, the book was The Year of Reading Dangerously by Andrew Miller. Also mentioned were the Adam Buxton podcast and The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime by Mark Haddon, which is also available on audiobook. You can get an audiobook of that. It's a very popular one. Check out uh, Audible. You should go to audibletrial.com slash teacherluke. Remember that? Yeah, it's still going. You can get uh, a free audiobook. Just sign up for a trial with Audible, download your free audiobook, and if you are happy with the service, you can keep going. If you choose that you don't want to uh, keep going with Audible, you can just cancel your uh, membership and you can keep the audiobook that you downloaded. So it's a free audiobook. Check it out. Uh, you can just click on the Audible logo that you'll see on my website. All right. Now, there'll be more talk of reading books, listening to podcasts, and watching films in part two of this episode, which should arrive. I don't know, in your world in some way, on your computer, in your email inbox, on your smartphone soon. Okay, but that's it for this one. Thank you for listening to my podcast and I'll speak to you again soon. But for now, goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.